Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me Jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In the previous episode, Ruben shared his views on leadership, cost-benefit scalability analysis. Ruben shared an example of the concept of decreasing return to scale on the application of AI. Ruben shared his views on the future of AI and the two schools of thought. This episode continued the part 3 conversation with Ruben and Ruben shared his views on the chicken rice hawker future. Ruben shared his view on the beautiful future of AI and the possible need for UBI universal benefit income. Uh, let's say the chicken rice hawker. Because of COVID-19, there is a spawning of vending machines that uses robotic hands or simple robotic methods to basically make a set of chicken rice. So then because of that, the chicken rice hawker will face an inevitable risk no longer having a job. And he would have two paths. One path could be to be a developer or a machine learning engineer because he can create more complex solutions to augment even more complicated repetitive solutions. And then the other path is the path where there are a lot of tasks or there are still some tasks that is very hard to be automated because of so many complexity involved. And to sync up, to automate this could be a disaster. And therefore you still I need human beings. So my question is, where do you see this chicken rice hawker moving towards and why? It's a bit sad now that because of automation, we are losing a bit of our power culture, but there's a couple of paths that they can take. Let's say there's a border worker. He'll probably have to take all something that's more human related, at least during this transition. For those younger people, they can maybe join the AI hype. They can steer themselves in anything else. Or maybe they can continue in their line of work. Or maybe it's the one that's actually just maintaining the AI, the robots, make sure that okay, they are all well maintained, there's nothing going wrong. And this is a combination of quality or stress and sweet done. We can the fit. It's good quality, it's good proposing. So I believe that the transition is definitely one of the hardest things to do because it's a whole global level. And not just that, technology advances super fast, especially in AI. So I think it's the thing that can happen if somebody transitions and then after that, they take the transition fee. Yes, optimized the food, then it's If it happens, this guy, he no longer can do chicken rice because chicken rice has been automated. Then, like you say, he go through the people-oriented path. He tried to be, to develop recipe. Or he decided to, say, do some training on how to cook chicken rice to the AI guy to be able to automate a better chicken rice process. Maybe right temperature or what I call tuning the machine. And then, like you say, because AI is moving so fast, then by the time he took on the second job to either create a new recipe or to train the machine learning or robotic engineers to 
tune a better chicken rice flavor that has been done. So is that the reason why you believe that eventually in the next decade or two, that nations and government would really have to experiment this concept of universal benefit income because of the fact that it helps to reduce the volatility risk of the person trying to contribute to the society or feel that he's part of society and also reduce his mental health. I believe that this phenomenon is AI becoming faster and faster. And originally, the AI can replace the human making the hair. So they have more hands, like the AI singularity. I think this might happen. And I believe that at the point of time, hopefully that, this is hopefully this real life is not science fiction of it. AI is like more crazy machines trying to kill us. That hopefully they're actually making like better pros. So this part of time, let's say even like farming itself, it's all done automated already. She was in a very little thinking. Like I said before, hopefully, people only work because they want to, not because they need to. And at that point of time, I think UBI will have to be implemented. It is an utopian view of the world. And I think this is really very futuristic. But I think definitely things that you do have some merit. Even, even though I'm in economy, like this is very counterintuitive. We think about it like, yeah, but what if everybody gets something to do? Then how? So that I think because economics is the study of scarcity. Yeah. So maybe the AI singularity can help move us past the point of scarcity. Then maybe who knows? Ah, interesting viewpoint. You talk about like scarcity in the good old days when people think about work, there's so much abundance of work and very few workers. So the scarcity of few workers, a lot of work, therefore wages or salary, because they will reach to an equilibrium. If there's a lot of work, more than workers, then the price will go up. And now it could be AI literally make a lot of this work like valuable to almost zero. And it frees up so much time. And then now it moves what I call a deepening of AI, meaning not just a simple repetitive task, but even a higher cognitive level, like even pattern recognition, complex pattern recognition, it can, it can even automate. It becomes almost like you say a science fiction, this Hollywood movie called The Passage where Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pack. They went on uh, this moonship and they have this robot, this cocktail bartender, Arthur. But not only just can cocktail it, uh, he can carry very intelligence conversation as a counselor. Come on now. Every cloud has a silver lining. Guess I am going to die of old age on this ship. Oh, we all die. Even androids end up on the scrap heap. I'm your only customer. Why are you always polishing a glass? Trick of the trade. Makes people nervous when a bartender just stands there. So lay some bartender wisdom on me. I'm lost in space here. You're not where you want to be. You feel like you're supposed to be somewhere else. You said it. Well, say you could snap your fingers and be wherever you wanted to be. I bet you'd still feel this way. Not in the right place. Point is, you can't get so hung up on where you'd rather be that you forget how to make the most of where you are. What are you telling me? Take a break from worrying about what you can't control. Live a little. And eventually they move into outer space to conquer new planets where civilization doesn't even begin. It becomes like, oh yeah, almost like the aliens do this new outer planet, which is very crazy, right? Now, having said that, I suddenly thought about another viewpoint I ran the review is that in the good old days, maybe like 10, 20 years ago, everybody was working seven days a week. Then suddenly there was a Sunday break. Everybody was working six days a week. Then suddenly somehow 
there's five and a half days. Then now we are having five days. Even recently, a lot of some countries, New Zealand, Germany, and maybe some Scandinavian countries, they are even exploring a four days work week. And it, partly because they wanted to share the jobs or share the tasks in the job so that everybody still can do something and it's sort of restructure businesses to enable technology to be more productively. Now, when you think along that line, what are your thoughts? And then for Finland, if I'm not wrong, they tried to do a four-day, six-hours work week. Like, if I'm not wrong. I think we can look at them for guidance. I think apparently what I read was that workers are instead more productive. So maybe AI really does have much. So we just leave a lot of the workflow automation. We just come in, we supervise, we plan new projects, and then we just let things run as they are. This is one of the beauty of AI enabling to the point where people choose to work, people choose to exercise creativity, then people have to work. And therefore, universal benefit income, if you if we see from that perspective, it's actually foster and empowers innovation and creativity. Rather than there are some countries that is always worried about, hey, if I give all of all my citizens money, like a UVI, there will be people who doesn't want to work. They want to abuse the system. But by mathematical reasoning, we have seen in the case of startups and venture capital. We all know that startups are risky business. Uh, venture capital to every pair of founders or every team, like here's like 50,000, here's 50,000. Writing a number of checks that sum up to is probably like almost close to 50 million. And it's a cost. And of course, there will be people who fail. But if the venture capital doesn't have perspective from all I need is just one or two, they call it unicorn of company, mm. and it covers the millions of losses because it's a billion dollar company. And if we can see it from that perspective, like UBI almost being a venture capital to give to every citizen of this country or residents even, like there will be a hundred residents, maybe two or three people won't work, won't even want to do anything, but eight people of the eight people, maybe four will try something, learn something. And the other four will be creative and entrepreneurial and eventually we will have a new Facebook or we will have new Microsoft. Yeah, I can definitely envision that being possible. And like those that really, only those that are very motivated, those that really have ideas that embellish humanity, they will actually put forth the world. They will be the leaders. They will bring people together. They will convince people of their vision. They will build something. They will make better for everybody else. There's nothing wrong with wanting to live simple lives. But definitely, I believe everybody craves at the human fundamental level. We all humans, we crave to be useful to others. So I believe people will try to at least try to provide some kind of value to others in some sort of way. I believe one of the questions that governments have to even answer would be the concern of fairness now. Because, yeah, because people that actually put forth their effort. How are they going to be rewarded past the universal basic income? If that's the thing. And how are the profits going to be distributed? Because hey, people are now disincentive. I'm, I'm going to agree with some of the arguments against it. Then, yeah, if there's no incentive to, to put food on the table, the food that comes, then you, know, you just go to eat the food and then you go to sleep. It's as simple as that. But I like to believe that people, we are more than them. We're more than just eating and sleeping. We want to do things. We want to provide, rather than entertain others. We want to make life better. Even. There's always ways to improve the conditions. Uh, so yeah, from believer of that, there will be a lot of human beings that will be by nature or God's calling them. They are born to be more entrepreneurial, to be more creative, to be more curious. And by removing the survival need of having to work for money, universal basic income, free up that opportunity for them to try venture and therefore 
the entire society will benefit as a whole. Now, interestingly, along that line, that also comes on the basis of people with the eager to learn and upskill themselves. And you mentioned about reskilling and upskilling. Now, this is also a very common topic where I talk about AI with my guests. We all know that AI will obsolete a lot of jobs and reskilling and upskilling is a key. But if you think about it now, like you mentioned about technology and knowledge is constantly spawning new stuff. Back then, just talk about computer science. There was Fortran and then there was C, then you have C++, then imagine you have Java and then you have JavaScript. And in JavaScript, you have so many different branches. You have Ang- AngularJS, Node.js, React.js. And then now talk about AI, now you move from R to Python and all these different genres of frameworks knowledge. And that's just only for computer science. But imagine there's all these multiple domains, cooking or leadership. Now, if you think of like that, then isn't it like the business leaders or the organizational leaders, they'd be thinking, yes, I send my guys to train. How long will I be able to see the return of investment for them to convert what they learn to something practical output? There's always a risk of that it will not convert the output, but how do you think is the best way to solve this problem, the return on investment of skilling? So this is a deep one related to digital transformation. I was I think I, I believe I have a third train and I haven't answered the second part of the question. I feel like for this, maybe don't be afraid to start and maybe get that small. It's not practical to hire a whole new team. I've seen an entire department for training. But it's quite practical to maybe hire one or two guys, or this is just send one of you for training. And I think the most important part here is to cross-share. So completely share from the big place into the platform for sharing what these people have learned. And it's not just things that they learn through courses. It could be just sharing their projects. It's not just useful for learning. It's also useful for knowing, hey, if my company can subscribe doing this, if I want to go and implement this, maybe I can get this help and get it done much faster. And for the project-wise, this can be as simple as having a company website for maybe instructor, then from there, get into the subscribe, this sort of stuff. And I think most importantly is to leverage existing tools and ecosystems. I think like David said in your previous podcast, maybe consider bringing the business to Amazon or Shopee. I think this is very simple. I don't wish resources trying to reinvent the wheel. So you just pick up the low-hanging fruits first. And we have the obscure stuff to be cognitive, especially for smaller companies. Now, the on-premise solutions can be very costly and slow. So now, let's say I want to scale my local thing. I need to go and order a hard drive. I need to wait for a couple of weeks for hard to install. So cloud computing offers flexibility and on-premise also. You want more, just get more compute, just like that, simple as a snap. And so this will accelerate the uptake of digitization. And I feel that it is very important for the company to invest in the stuff. They have to be willing to invest and take a risk. They spend money to make money. So they need to invest to see returns. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We have come to the end of part three with Ruben. In the next episode, we will continue with Ruben on part four, which he shared about his favorite book, favorite app, and his career advice to carve a career in the digital space. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon.